Uyota. Uyota Udi. That is our guest. You caught me trying to learn to pronounce his name. Hello. Hey, guys. And welcome to This Is Gonna Be Good. Oh, my God. We've missed you. Yes, we're back. We've taken a little bit of a break, but we're here now. How are you doing, Kara? I feel like we haven't done this in a little while. I'm good. I don't know. What the hell, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in this place where, like, I'm okay, but the world is crazy. Yeah, some better things have happened in the last couple of days, so I'm not as uh, freaked out as I was. But, I'm, I mean, I'm freaked out. I think the position from now going forward, you should be some level of freaked out about everything. I agree. That's kind of where I'm at. But, uh, you know, as far as just me personally, how am I? <laughs> I'm good, Quentin. I'm good. Okay, okay. I'm glad to hear that. How are you? More importantly. I am okay, but this is so funny. I'm walking barefoot in my house, I swear. And I stepped on one of my cat's toys. So, like, my foot is, like, killing me. Yeah, that's because you don't know how to get your feet geared up to be uh, barefooted. And it's funny because we were talking about that before. But it's so funny that this, like, literally happened right before I logged on. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, your cat doesn't play with Lego, so it wasn't a Lego. But It wasn't a Lego. It was one of those, like, mouse things that has, like, a hard jingle in the center thing. And I stepped right on it. And I'm heavy in case people don't know. So, like, I went on it. He's a large format human being. (laughs) Format. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have the history of you being barefoot in the the woods of the South or wherever. <laughs> and it wasn't the woods. That's what was so ridiculous about it. See, I told you this story, audience. I told him this story a while back, we, but we didn't have it on the podcast. And he thought it was so weird and odd that I did this. But when I was a child, to get ready for summer, I would start training my feet. Like in the spring, like as soon as it was just even vaguely warm, March, April, whatever, I would take my shoes off and get ready to go barefooted all summer. Like spring training. Spring training. I would go to my neighbor's my neighbor's gravel yard and I mean gravel driveway and walk back and forth on the driveway on the painful rocks. Like I was in some kind of crazy Native American ritual or something. <laughs> I'm sure they looked out the window like, why is Carol out there walking on our gravel driveway? Well, she's just getting her feet ready for summer is all. <laughs> that is the most, I don't even know what to do with that. I'm a, you know, I grew up in the burbs, but right. mostly like, but that's like a city kind of thing. Even though it was a suburb, it was still like the city. So it was like sidewalk and all that stuff. I'm sure you had sidewalk too, but nobody went barefoot. I grew up in town. We had a little town and we were very near downtown. So we were, you know, it was as urban as, as my little town could get, but yeah, I went barefooted everywhere I could. I'm sure my mother made me put on shoes on occasion, but uh, we went to the grocery store barefooted. I just ran around that way all summer. Okay, like some kind of female Huckleberry Finn. Exactly. Like, I couldn't do that. My mother was, like, really against me being barefoot, and I, and my aunts were too. Really? So, like, if I was barefoot, like, even around the house, my aunt Deborah, she would say, you better start wearing some shoes, some house shoes, otherwise your feet are going to turn into hands. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, she told me that when I was like, that my feet were turned into hands. And oh my God, I would have really wanted my feet to turn in the hands. How cool is that? It sounded unnatural. And at six, I didn't want that. So I was scared. And I, I put on my little like Power Ranger, like Ninja Turtle Aww. house shoes, house and, shoes. And, and do that whole thing. Yeah. Adorable. So I think it's funny that you actually went to a, what happened to no shoes, no shirt, no service? What, well, I think, I, I think that sign was put up because of me. <laughs> 
That's what I think. They finally were like, they were like, this this child cannot keep coming in this grocery store without her shoes on. And now she's making okay. the rednecks take their shirts off. So not the rednecks. <laughs> okay, we're gonna pivot here from you from Carol's feet. Okay, yeah, there's quite a bit going on. There's dumb debt ceiling fight that they have mm. all the time that Mitch McConnell took to just epic proportions. Mitch McConnell brought a nuclear weapon to a knife fight, basically, is what happened. And, yeah. and, and you know, because he don't care if everybody dies. That's his True. deal. And apparently today he blinked. So they were able to, like, extend it or something? Because the deadline is, what, the 18th, I believe? Of, yeah, and it's a dumb thing that we have to keep doing it. I, it's been explained to me a million times. I still don't understand why we do this stupid ritual. But it used to be a vote that was just performa. Just people were like, yes, extend the de- debt limit every year whenever it came up. They just was like, yeah, do it, you know. They, what other choice do we have? Like, yeah. And now, then, the, uh, under Obama, the Republicans started to weaponize that. You know, because that's the first time they made this threat. This time they took it further. And apparently it's just like catastrophic if that happens. Um, I continue to lift my own debt ceiling by continuing to put things on credit cards. Um, and it's probably is also catastrophic, but um, not as bad me, as I, this. I can say that I too also wait to the last minute to pay my bills. So I do feel in step with my country here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I do feel seen by that. That's very patriotic. I know, like, you know, that that's <laughs> crazy. Seen. I hear that this this could go to them, like, getting rid of the filibuster, which could be a good thing. Well, and that's that's something that should certainly happen. I mean, I think they should get rid of the filibuster completely. But what they're talking about doing is trying to at least force a vote that makes them not allowed to use it for this, for the debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. What they should also not be allowed to use it for is anything to do with voting. I agree. You know, that's another thing I've heard them talk about. Like, because everything, the, the way, you know, it's set up so that we have to have a 60-vote majority, and we don't have that in the Senate right now because the Republicans are just in lockstep with with knucklehead, uh, you know, wrinkle face, whatever his name is, fig man, what's his name? McConnell, right? Turtle face, turtle, turtle. man. Yeah, I like turtles, so I hate sticking in with turtles. But you don't like turtle men. You like turtles, but you don't like turtle men. I don't like a man that looks like a turtle now. Actually, I do because I, I love Ninja Turtles to this day. Yeah, but they are they don't look like him. And they said stuff like Cowabunga. They were cool. You know, like, you know they were liberal. And they're fit. Yeah. They're they, fit. Six packs. Turtles with six packs. They have pleasant faces. They have pleasant faces. But the thing about McConnell, he blinked. He agreed to raise it until Christmas. So there's your war on Christmas, is that that's going to come around again on Christmas. That's crazy. You also have some news about Bernie's press conference, which I missed. I do. (laughs) So yeah, what what Bernie did yesterday was hold a press conference to basically yell at Joe Manchin. Because what's tied to this this debt ceiling thing is they're trying, is there Democrats trying to pass Biden's build back better budget? plan, right? And also the infrastructure plan, that little mini plan that they all sort of agree can pass, but the progressives are saying, no, you've got to pass this other thing as well. We need childcare. We need, oh my God, healthcare for me, obviously, have to, you know, all the stuff that's in it. And Manchin and Cinema just keep blocking it, but they won't say why. They only say because it's too expensive. They ignore the fact that it's already paid for by tax increases on the wealthiest people that mm-hmm. they are not even going to feel. Hello. And they won't say what you can cut to make it smaller. They already 
already know because if we start taxing the rich, that's a slippery slope for rich people. And they know that. But it's not. I'm talking about in their minds. They're not going to take any step backwards. They're not going to do that. Like they've gotten to the point where they pay so few taxes. If they go backwards, they're not going to accept that. Mm. So that's why he's fighting. That's why they don't want it to happen. If these people have to start paying their taxes, they're not going to be paying lobbyists to get these people money like they normally do. Yeah. That's coming out of his pocket. I heard yesterday there was something like three or five lobbyists for every person in Congress. Mm -hmm. It's just they're swarming all over the place. That's money coming out of his pocket. Yeah. That's why he doesn't. For reals. He's paying for it. For reals. But he says he wants to be smaller, but he won't won't say what he wants to cut. And so that's what Bernie's saying. He's like, listen, you want to negotiate this? You want this to be smaller? Tell me what you want to get rid of. Say something, you know, let's do this. What what do you think we can do without? Yeah. And cinema too. And she won't say anything either because she's a lunatic. She's lunatic. She's so gross. But what he said was basically, it's not fair for two people to be going against 48 people. So powerful. You know, for these things that that, uh, like 90% of the American people want. They want childcare. They want the climate change. We have to do something about it. I just thought it was radical and cool that he had a press conference to yell at Manchin. Old man yells at cloud. In front of a microphone. It was pretty cool. Let's see if it does any good. Well, speaking of climate change, the earth is losing its shine, Carol. I found this to be very disturbing when you told me this, and I I don't understand it. I read the story. Can you explain it? Apparently, the earth reflects a certain amount of light from the sun. And for the last, I think, 17 years, because they measured 20 years of it, it was normal. And then in the last three years, it's dropped quite a bit by like 0.5%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's enough to be like concerning, yeah. which is, I think, what the scientists say. Yeah, the scientists said it's actually quite concerning, which is like scientists for, oh shit, this is awful. Ex- like, yeah, that's as emotional as they get about yeah. it. From what I gather, it, the water has become warm, so therefore it's affected the cloud pattern over the water, and the cloud pattern over the Arctic reflects a certain amount of light, and because of that, we're absorbing that heat now, which is adding to the heat from global warming. Oh my God. And it's 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 quite concerning. It's quite it's actually quite concerning. As you can gather. They thought before that it was connected to the sun not being as bright. Mm-hmm. But now it's not. And I'm like, what? <laughs> the sun's not as bright? Why didn't anyone fill me in on this? Like that's a whole separate problem that the sun's not as bright? That's a whole separate problem. Jeez. So I mean, like, I don't know, maybe it's like that, like, I don't know, um, what is it like the rays of red when the sun puts on the sunglasses? Maybe that's like affecting it. Like the sun is up there like chilling with some shades and it's affecting the light coming down. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, that is a separate problem. I need to see a schoolhouse rock about this to explain it <laughs> with the graphics that you just suggested. I would love that. And other important news, the circuit court judge in Texas blocks the Texas abortion ban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He said, "Uh uh-uh. He did. Day late and a dollar short, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know why these things take so long, but yeah, okay, good. Fight continues. I think this fight is one of the things that's going to be a great motivator to people. I hope so. This is a really big step back, you know? Yeah. And I think that people are going to be really understanding the problems with the Supreme Court, that they're going to be making decisions on this case, mm-hmm. which they're setting up to basically destroy Roe versus Wade. Yeah. And what they're trying to do with gun rights. This is a real call to arms to liberals because this is yes. the cornerstone of a lot of what we believe. Yeah. I, I read this 
article where Justice Sotomayor, in the, that she thinks that people are going to have a loss of faith in the court pretty soon, which is really something because people have already lost a lot of faith in the court already. It's wildly out of balance. With Amy Coney Island Barrett. Well, you can't link her to Coney Island. Coney Island's cool and fun. <laughs> she is really quite the... not. That's true. She's, she's, she's very much not cool and fun. She's like a an infection you might pick up there, maybe. But. And Brett COVID and all. <laughs> He did test positive for COVID. Poor baby. Yes, he did. He's fine. <sighs> well, that's another thing that needs to happen. They need to increase the number of, of judges because it's 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 way out of balance. Talk about court packing. They've already packed it. Yes, they have already packed the court. Like sitting up there, those people don't represent me. Oh, no. They don't represent the world that I live in. Mm-mm. Like three of them, maybe. Yeah. But And then the one that looks like me is the biggest asshole of all. And that's the thing that really grinds my gears. Well. Ugh, he's a sexual harassing. He's in stiff competition with Alito, but he's he's pretty, he's an asshole for sure. Yeah. Alito's, Alito's really a terrible terrible asshole. I got all Southern. He's a terrible asshole. Terrible. Yeah. And you know, Judge Thomas's hideous wife, that's her name. Judge Thomas's hideous wife. Judge Thomas's <laughs> wife. I don't know her name, but... Hortense? I don't know. Yes, Hortense would be a good name for her. She's a blonde, hideous, knucklehead. I was about to say she's overweight. Who helped people get to the insurrection. Yeah, I'm sure she did. She's done all... That nobody is talking about. She's on all kinds of like very far-right activist group things. She's she's terrible. She's a garbage person. If only her mother had been able to have an abortion. Oh, oh, Quentin. <clears throat> I said it. Well, you did. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's part of the reason I believe a woman has the right to choose. And then some people just shouldn't be. Well, I don't know that her mother would have foreseen that her daughter is a horrible asshole. No, she probably raised her that way. So she probably would have was okay with it. Let's be real here. I was going to say, yeah, she might have. She might have been that. I'm pretty sure she was. I mean, this is a woman older than her. Her mother was older than her. You're correct. Clearly. I mean, I think I think the math checks out on that. Uh There's not Uh a a lot of proof of white people being great in the past. <laughs> oh, hello. Well, I think I've made that clear that I agree with that. I think yeah. we, we have discussed yeah, about, yeah. yeah. No, we have a long history of uh, doing the wrong thing. Every now and then we do the right thing and we think that that should represent white people all the time. Mm. And let's not dwell on the past. That's the whole thing against the critical race theory. Like, hey, let's not, come on. Let's not do that. Like, we've decided, we we weren't affected by this oppression, and we've decided yeah. that it's not happening Yeah, it's anymore. not so bad. So, and you can't talk about it because you're too emotional. Yeah. Right? You're too close to the problem. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, it's like I always say, it's like how the people on the, I hate to say the right. Um, the wrong. <laughs> how they look at, you know, America. Like they 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 want to like wear flags and do all this stuff and all this, you know, patriotic and God bless America. But you don't trust your government. No. So what what is the disconnect? You only trust the government in the past? Right. Oh, like how black people were only good in the past. It's so funny how everything with white people was in the past. Yeah, like Walter Cronkite was the last good journalist. Like, he was great, but, but no, it's yeah. <laughs> not the last good. I have many older, especially white friends that say that all the time. And it tires me, Quentin. I get tired. Well, tired. If you're tired, imagine how I feel. you guys we've got a guest today it's uyota udi 
Very cool actor from Wu-Tang, American Saga. So excited. Hey, Oyuta. Welcome. Quinn, hi, Carol, hello. Welcome, welcome. Oh my God, Oyuta. Oh, ah. I've been practicing your name and I was put in charge of saying your name first. And I think I already mispronounced it. Can you say <laughs> your name for us? Uyota. Uyota. Yes. Uyota. I got it. The phonetic spelling on your Twitter was very helpful. Awesome. But my brain, my brain is still uh, being hesitant. Anyway. <laughs> Oyota, awesome that you're here. I'm just going to say before Quinn says anything, I'm super fan of the show of Wu-Tang American Saga. Super fan. I'm a super fan. Yeah, I'll try to control myself. I was not a person that listened to Wu-Tang because I'm just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. But uh, I love the show so much. My husband and I watched the first season. The characters are incredible. The writing, the acting, the directing, the everything. And uh, when I found out that you, our guest, was actor from that show, Inspected Deck, I just about fell over. So, Uh, Well, it's amazing to be on your platform. So thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Of course. It's so great to have you here. So... Of course, like Carol said, she's a big fan of yours. She was like very super keen fan. to talk to you. Super fan, yeah, super <laughs> fan. What I would like to know is like, what would you say has been your best experience working with the production of Wu-Tang? I have so many. I'm sure. <laughs> I believe that. I so, totally believe yeah, that. Yeah, I was, I was like, I don't know that I have one. I have so many. I think that... First off, there was a magic moment in episode six, and we see it in the credits. Um, So please, for whoever is watching the show, if you're watching episode six, watch the credits. We should all support the people that support us making the the material. Absolutely. Yeah, I haven't gotten to episode six yet, but I I do watch the credits. Yeah, you're so right. It's incredible because, uh, of course, working, first off, being able to be on set with Mario Van Peoples is an honor and a privilege. And he's the one who directed that episode. And in this specific scene, we are finally getting together and becoming the the start of what we now know as the iconic Wu-Tang clan. However, how do we get to that moment? And in this scene, particularly, you see us actualized in our element, in us being the the, the dopest, sickest rappers. You see our 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 um initiated essence as a group. Oh, cool. Um and that energy that comes together. So uh, in this very moment, we go on to, we were rapping, and so we're finally hearing the track back. And so one, so actually, I went first, because Deck always sets it off. He's known uh-huh. as the set, Mr. Set It Off, you know? And so yeah. I go first. And then after that, somebody else goes. But all the while, Mario Van Peoples had been yelling cut. Way before we even started the line, the rhymes. <laughs> so this time, he, no one, he never yelled cut. And thank God he never yelled cut because there was a certain synergy that took place. Mm-hmm. He, I went, somebody else went, then the other person went, then the other person went, then the other. Before you know it, we were on the sofas. We were on the speakers. We were like throwing water. We were like going crazy because you can feel so closely related to the energy that most likely was in the studios when Wu-Tang Clan finally heard that track. So we were actualized and it was beyond. I think it was one of the best moments in my life. I've never felt an energy so dynamic, so powerful, so united and, and, and so striking. I mean, the DPs were like, yo, like they, they were, these are like men, like we're just coming up to you. Like, yo, I, I, I actually, I felt that 
on set. Like chills. Yeah, chills. It was this, it was mystical. Like I call it the magic moment. It was just so powerful. And I think um, someone would say, oh, you're being dramatic. But I'm not. <laughs> it was that. No. You know, it, it was. Imagining that moment just as an actor, I can imagine it. It, I'm, it sounds incredible the way you're describing it. And for the crew to come up and say something, that means it was good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the crew doesn't do that, you know? The crew does not do that. The crew doesn't do that. The crew does not do that. Yeah. Unless they're moved. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the the the, the highlight highlighted moments um, within the season. And I mean, re- most recently I just watched the the new episode, episode seven. And I, once again, I just commented, Najla is the director and it was incredible because it was, she just posted, she was like, there was so much things, so many things, so many unconventional events going on this day, which there were, I mean, it was raining, it was storming. It was like the, the rain was coming down. Time was, we were pressed for time. So with all of that to see the outcome, I was like, wow, like how incredible the, and once again, that same energy that we sparked off episode six with, it led us to episode seven to give us another great moment. And so I think from there, the moments just continue to uh, multiply. Yeah. And build and, and explode, you know, it's, it's, it, it's great. I'm excited. And that's what you want. You want that when you, you when you're performing with other people, you want that synergy. And when you hit that sweet spot, that's that's dope. That's what that is. Really dope. And it's such a magical story. Yeah. Like, you know, that's why it's a story that that just transcends whether you're a rap fan or not. Like I feel like I've I've keep I've told people to watch this show and I don't mm. think they believe me. I mean, I dig it too because I'm from, you know, I say I'm from New York, from North Carolina, but I've been here for 30 years. So I like anything New York, you know, and they're such a great New York mm-hmm. story too. Um, but yeah. it's just, it's a magical Cinderella, whatever story, you know, it's just, it's classic. <laughs> That's why it's so appealing. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's Shakespearean. It's just got... It's a very American story. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I, I, I add to that. It's normalizing what we see as... Um, these stories mm-hmm. that are, you know, that what if we just took time to normalize that? And what if that was the norm if we really just came together? Yeah. And instead of looking at each other as competition, what if we just came together and saw our strengths, mm-hmm. saw everybody's talent and backed someone's talent that you respect and that you see? What if you back their talent with your support, with your energy or just with a kind comment? Or just, you know, sending that brotherly love, sisterly love through the people you meet in life. I mean, the story really goes in so many different directions. It's not just, you know, a story about music. It's not just a story about um, Black men. It's it, it highlights those elements. However, it has so much more behind it, underneath it, around it. Yeah. Um, and And I think that when people are watching it, uh, subconsciously, you're you're receiving this uh, inspiration. This sort of like I'm also capable and powerful, and I have the power to chase after my dreams or to look at my circumstance and my struggle um, in a different light in order of gaining the success, the the top tier success that I desire. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to compete against the, my brother or my sister. I can really support them and still win. And do you think that came from RZA more than any? I mean, in the beginning, it seems like RZA is the one that transcended everyone else's disbelief. 
and just kept insisting like, no, I know this is going to work. I just watched the third episode where they all were on the, where the whole thing takes place in the Staten Island Ferry. And they're all like, you know, half of them won't even speak to each other. And, and it, it was such a great episode. And I don't know. I just, I really admired his his courage. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I think, absolutely. I think that it does. It's It starts at the top. It starts at... And but then it 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 all it is also the responsibility of anybody else who's involved. Mm-hmm. It's um you have to keep the standard, and that's what it felt like coming into this new season. This new season uh-huh. because they had already brought the the standard so high. So when I came in, I was like, I can't. I have to come in meeting the standard or going above it. Right. Like I can't do anything less than that because it's so high. The a- Ashton Sanders, Sadiq Saunderson, Jamik Moore—they're all like Dave East. These are all really affluent artists who are at the top of their game. They're bringing their energy. They're bringing their strength. So, um, mm-hmm. right. And that's not even—that's prior to the show. So you know when you get the when you get then you add the icons that you're portraying. Uh, I mean, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to be like the lame actor on Wu Tang. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) They're all so great. And then there's that guy. How'd that guy get the part? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then you compare that to the Wu Tang clan. You don't want to be the guy with the wag ron. You don't want to be the guy that doesn't have the actual, you know, you didn't do enough work or you didn't come with it on a track. You just don't want to be that guy. No, you're going to be the guy bringing the sandwiches after that. That's it. That's going to be your role. That's all you get to do. Yeah. PB and J, you know, <laughs> not PB and J. I'll bring the I'll bring the sandwiches. I'll bring the sandwiches just to be in the damn room. It's like here's that old white lady again with the sandwiches. All right, let her in. She's all right. Well, I do um, have a question. Being in this sweet spot in this show, like this is a great opportunity. Like you said, working with Mario Van Peoples, which is like a really mm. huge opportunity. And, you know, he's legacy. Of course, his father, rest in peace. Like there's that's a, there's a lot that goes with that. Yeah, rest in peace. Coming from this, like, is there anything that you would like to do, like as a performer? Is there a dream project that you would like to do one day? I want the impossible. That's the way I'm on now. It was nice to dream, and I've, I mean, this was this wasn't a specific dream, but I had I, I I continue to go after being on a series, being on a series. I manifested that, and it's here. Um, I'm interested now in continuing continuing to work with really creative minds and people that are really passionate about what it, whatever it is they're doing. Mm. Uh, I think that. Yes, there are many people I want to work with. Joaquin Phoenix, you know, I I wanted to, I want to, and I, you know, I wanted to, and I want to, um, you know, have that experience. However, I'm more interested in working with creativity, like supreme, classy artists that, you know, have a a high um, or a, a, a... an excitement to them about the work. I think that makes any project powerful. So I think that's what I'm, you know, and I I don't want it to be typical. I want it to be something that, you know, people see as an impossibility. Are are you saying you don't care as much right now about the next, working with the next famous person or the next, uh, you know, that it's more like an interesting project or compelling project for you? Yeah, still, obviously they're famous for, you know, certain people are famous for certain reasons, you know, when you think back and you're like, oh God, training day, or you're thinking like Denzel, like, oh my gosh, or you're thinking the Joker, it's like, you know, you get the fame comes for a reason. 
so I think that it's it's working with a, a high profile creativity, you know, that that creation, whatever that is. Uh, I don't I don't know. I was putting so much on it, like I want this, I want that. Um, but you can get that, and then you can get a team of people that aren't excited about it. They're just chasing the money, or they're just like, eh, I don't really care. You know? That's something that is very important. I do agree with that. Like as me and Carol both being actors, like I totally understand that there could be roles that you want. You know, like I think everybody has like dream roles that they would like to bring to life. You know, something they would like to do. But then you're absolutely right. People associated with it need to be all in as well for the work to to be. Exactly. Yeah, I totally understand. I that. mean, I'll take the money right now. Like, um, that'd be awesome. The money's I'll not bad, it. but... Okay, Carol, you ain't never lied. I'll take the job. <laughs> I'll take a job that's just money right you know what now. I mean? <laughs> However... But you can have both. You can have both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I prefer. You can have both. Sure. Yeah, I agree. That's what I prefer. Yeah. That spoke to me because like, I'm yeah. definitely in the process of manifesting and wanting to be on a series myself. So I totally understand that. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Absolutely. I need to start manifesting again. Absolutely. I accidentally stopped. And thanks for reminding me. Um, <laughs> to start manifesting. <laughs> Damn it. What was I, I going to do today? All right. Manifesting. Of course. Everything on my on my billboard. I love that. Your vision board or your billboard. And my billboard. Right. <laughs> it was on the bit. Right. Your vision board is so awesome. It's a billboard. That's exactly. great. That's why when you get a little money, that's what you can do. You put okay. it on a billboard. I'm old school. I have like a notebook here. <laughs> what was your very first role? Very first on stage. First time on stage. Okay. So I'm going to do two roles. Okay. Well, three maybe. So three stories. So one, in my elementary class, there was a part where I wasn't a part of the play, but I was in it. All they wanted me to do was to sweep. In, in, in between the show, you are to sweep up the stage that's it oh wow okay and so <laughs> i was like i was like wow i was just happy to be on stage Aww. and i was <laughs> like intermission happened i come on stage with this big old broom and i'm just like sweeping away and my head is down and i get to the middle of the stage and i don't know i don't i remember i was so young but i still remember this i did not plan it i just something in me when i got to the middle of the center of the stage i just I was like, no, this is this is the moment. This is I'm still a part of the show. And so I just looked to the audience and I just smiled like <laughs> and I just I just stood there. And so the audience is like, everybody just starts busting up. And I just kept like like sleeping like this and smiling on stage. I took my moment. The stage was yours. It was literally yours. The show was still going on. And so everybody like starts laughing and like applauding. And it was, it was, um, it, that was a funny moment when I was a kid. So I mean, I'm saying that to say it's always been a part of performing. It's always been a part of my upbringing in my life. And um, the second moment, I think when I was in high school, the first role I had was Pippin. Oh, wow. I played leading players. So, and it was incredible because Ben Vereen came to my show and I went to a high school, what? a performing arts high school, ah. Alexander Hamilton performing arts high school. And it was incredible because we had these masters come in and teach and then come see the shows. And Ben Vereen came to see, uh, he couldn't make it to see Pippin. So he wrote a note. Oh. And so he wrote me a, a like a personal note to me and to the cast, uh, um, and it was, it was uh, awesome. You know, at that time I have, I was studying him so much. So, so it was, 
<laughs> it was amazing. And my professional, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Ben Vereen writing a note. That's way I, cool. That's royalty. Yeah, that's you don't you don't get that every no. day. So I've been I tr- I truly have been blessed. And then my pro- first professional role was Fella. Yes, that's what I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about you did the national tour of Fela. I my husband and I saw it on Broadway. Yeah, flipped out. Loved it. When, I think we saw it twice. Like oh, which we, we don't have any money, so if we scrounged up the ticket to go see it twice, that means we really liked it. And oh my god, it was so good. And when I saw that as one of your credits, I was like, I have to ask you. So how fun was that? How long was that tour? Oh my gosh. Well, I was I was like seventeen when I was doing it. I think so. It was um it was a year long, about a year long, and uh, I just graduated high school. And I went to go, I like did three years at my university and I was still in school while I was doing the show. Um, <laughs> so I'm like going, everyone's out during intermission or during, um, during like the break, or if we had a two, two show a day and I'm in the, you know, dressing room going through my, 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 my script for classes or my, whatever it is I was studying on in school and, but overall, it was an amazing learning experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think there will be a show similar to that. Um, there was a certain energy that that show still has, and it still rings true today. Um, it was it was amazing. It was incredible. And I think one thing that I drew from Fela and that I brought into Wu-Tang and American Saga was what Fela coined his phrase, music is the weapon. Mm. Because I feel that it's so powerful that I'm doing a show about music and the the power that it holds and how it speaks and holds space for Black men in America that don't really have the, that don't have the option to just voice how they feel freely without any um, any linked to any, being linked to anything or feeling embarrassed or or that that they can't speak up, you know, it gives them that space. It, it has music is so powerful that it it gives them a space to do so. You get Wu Tang, you get Cream, you get Tears, songs like that. Thirty Six Chambers is coming from the heart. It's coming from what they're facing in their reality, and just to see how everything in the three sixty of it all, how it all meshes together and comes together. It's just, it was really amazing. So yeah, Fela shaped me for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a difficult show, but it was, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. What an incredible first project. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you have a, an upcoming project that you want to plug? Not in? yet. I'm auditioning and just going back into the audition process yet again. Yep. Um, you know, the normal audition days and are here. Yeah. <laughs> I love what Tiffany Haddish said about auditioning. She was like, your job is to audition. And like, once you do that, you walk away from it. You don't worry about it. You show up, you do the job and you wait. And it is very hard mm-hmm. to do that. But like when she said it, I was like, yeah, that is that is such a smart way to, to look at it. Mm-hmm. I can't leave an audition without going, uh, oh, crap. Why did I do that? Why could I? I should have. And I try to stop because I know I'm not supposed to do that. I'll try to remember Tiffany Haddish saying that. I'll hear her saying that in my head. Well, before you got here, we talked about Carol going barefoot during the summer. When I was a child. And we discussed how I wasn't allowed to go barefoot in my house, let alone outside mm-hmm. like Carol. Not now. Mm-hmm. as a child. So we wanted to know, what is your experience growing up and being like barefoot? Was that something that you did as a child? Were you not allowed to do it? Because I wasn't allowed to do it. 
When you say barefoot, you mean Yeah. Like like I ran around all summer, all summer with no shoes. And as I told him earlier in the show, I started training for it in the spring by taking off my shoes and walking back and forth on my neighbor's gravel driveway to get my feet tough. That's incredible. It's crazy. I yeah. And and then I would run around. I just never wore shoes unless my mother like forced me to put shoes on until it was time to go to school. Wow. When I hated school. And that's one of the ah. reasons, I guess, because you had to wear shoes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and then Quentin thought that was such a bizarre experience because his mother wouldn't even let him go barefoot. So I meant, that's, we wanted to know what, what about your experience as a child? I mean, I don't think I had the desire to go barefoot. But if I did, I don't, I don't know that my mom would have a problem with this. She would just want to know why. It would just need to be a strong... But like, my where mom, your shoes at? Yeah, where are your shoes at? You know, what, what is this about? But my mom always told me, oh, he's an artist. You know, he's just, she's always said that. So um, <laughs> I think she's always given me the benefit of the, of the doubt. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I don't know that that would be my story, but that's incredible. He had the choice to do it. He just exactly, never did. Admit, possibly. I think. I think. <laughs> like maybe, maybe a tiptoe to the mailbox in the morning. Right. Maybe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would walk barefoot in the house and go outside and play barefoot. But I, like, if we were going to the grocery store and I was barefoot, I don't know that my mom would go for that. We, I mean, it's no shoes, no shirt, no service. You can't yeah. do that. I, look, Carol's from the South, so I think it's a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> We had no rules. We had no rules. I think, and I'm older. I don't know if you can tell. I'm older than Quentin by a bit, and you by even more. I think. Mm. Um, I know. I look amazing. I didn't see you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I told Quentin. I think that sign was invented for me. The no shoes, no shirt. Because we, me, me, and my friend Nancy, we never wore shoes all summer, and they, we went to grocery stores and wherever wherever her mom took us or wherever we went, and we never had shoes on. Well, my mom was like, I mean, my mom in the house. My mom was like, listen, just be free. So if you got to take your underwear off, if you need to take your, wow. your bra off, like take the thing off so you can relax and uh-huh. you can be free. You know, because it's so much pressure in life already. God dang, we got to, you know, you got to chill. And that is the opposite of what my mother told me. My mother never once said or intimated in any way, shape, or form that I was to be free. Wow. So I guess I should be grateful that she let me run around without shoes on. There's a there lot of freedom in that. Yeah. There was, no freedom, <laughs> there was no other freedom encouraged whatsoever. Well, we want to thank you, Yota, for being here and sharing with us so much. It was great to talk to you. We wish you so much success. I mean, Wu-Tang is on. Hulu, I, I mean, come on. It's a great show. I watched the first season. So I haven't gotten into the second season yet. There's too many things to watch. It's a lot. There's a lot. How many episodes are in this season? Ten episodes. Ten. Okay. Yes. All right. Oh, I've got yes. seven more to go. All right. All right. So check it out. Wu-Tang and American Saga. Season two is happening. Shout out to RZA, Alex say everyone who creates and makes this project come to life. It's, it's, it's definitely a good watch and you'll definitely enjoy it. Thank you so much. Thank you again for being with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I want to say your name one more time. Sure. I can't do it. Damn it. Uyota. Uyota. Uyota Uri. Thank you so much, Uyota Uri, for being on our show. We appreciate it. And I'll see you on the TV. I'll say hi to you when you're on there, okay? Yes. Yes. Rhyme with me. Come on, Carol. No shoes. I will will not be wearing (laughs) shoes in the house. I'll tell you. Good callback. Good callback. (laughs) Very good callback. All right. Freestyle with no shoes on. That's right. Bye, Uyota. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Take care. Bye. 
He's charming, totally charming. Charming. He's, you know, I love talking to other creative people because of that. Like they, it's like whenever you're like feeling like whatever, you can talk to a creative and like their story and their story of success benefits you because it's like a win for creativity. and Yeah, it's it's life affirming is what it is. I love that. Love hearing that. I'm so happy for him and I wish him all the best. So I guess that brings us to the close of our show. No, I'm not ready to go yet. What we still have to do is this going to be good. We have some questions to answer here. So oh, right, right, right. I'm going to go first here. All right. I'm, I'm going to do it the way you you do it because you always like ask it twice. I do. <laughs> Carol, is this going to be good? What is what going to be good? <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? What's going on with Facebook? Oh, my God. I don't know. Which part? <laughs> You mean, uh, is it going to be good that they had an outage or that they need to be broken up or that they can continue to exist? I'll I'll clarify. Yeah. Is it going to be good that with the whistleblower claims, we know a lot about what Facebook knows about itself? Yeah. And, you know, will this lead to positive change with Facebook? I hope so. I mean, as far as what Facebook knows about itself, uh, I, I don't... I'm not clear when I hear Mark Zuckerberg talk. Uh, he doesn't seem to know. He seems to he seems to be saying that what she's saying is not true. And she has like apparently a ton of actual documents, like you There's know, a ton of proof, leaked documents, emails. And he's just lying. Is he? Here's what I was wondering uh, yesterday: uh, Is he lying, or is he really so clueless? He is not that clueless. I don't. I, 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 I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Or is he pretending? Pretending to be <laughs> nobody who can start a website to rank to rank women. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's he's he's just so obtuse about the way that he talks about it. I I, I don't know. I just think he's completely detached. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, he doesn't care. Short answer: I hope you are correct. I hope that this does make it better because uh, and that that they do what Elizabeth Warren once done, which they need to be broken up. He should not have been allowed to buy WhatsApp and, and Instagram and the, those company. That company is too big. He he's got a monopoly on things. I don't think. But then that goes into the whole like you know uh, you know American capitalism. Like how that's that's a tough. That's going to be a tough hill to climb. To Except the, the they came they up can. with those laws. They already broke up. You know, in the of course I can't remember the name of it, but they they broke up. Uh, the big businesses back in the day, right? I mean, they've done this before, the 20s, whenever That's it was. True. I guess we need to do it for this yeah. too. I just, I don't think it's impossible. I just think it's going to be really difficult for them to do, especially now. It is, it is. But, you know, as far as, I mean, I personally like Facebook and get a lot out of it. The people I am in touch with on Facebook are good, interesting people. I don't run into a lot of the crap that people talk about with Facebook, a few lunatics here and there, but you know, uh, most of them don't interact with me anymore, or I unfriended them, or whatever. But I know that people do. There's a lot. People do a lot of damage on Facebook. I know that uh, a lot of terrible dis and misinformation, and that's dangerous. And I didn't realize. I wasn't thinking so much about how it impacts the world's economy, especially WhatsApp. Uh, that that you know, there's so many countries where people's only internet is WhatsApp or Facebook, mm-hmm. and so the outage that they had. Um, well, we make jokes about like, oh, how are people going to get their invermectin news or whatever? You know, like you know, there's like a whole country, some whole tiny countries that can't communicate all of a sudden because dumbass Mark Zuckerberg's giant company. Uh, you know, is this going to be good? 
Let's just say I hope so. I hope so too. I hope I I hope it forces change. Quentin, mm-hmm. is this going to be good? The Many Saints of Newark. I don't know. And I don't know because I've never watched The Sopranos. <gasps> what? Have we had that conversation? My voice got high. We have had that conversation. I have never watched The Sopranos. I don't know why. I thought you had somehow managed to watch it. Remember how you said that you didn't see a lot of 80s TV because you were out? I was in a bar. Shaking your ass in clubs and bars. I did not say anything about my ass. I was sitting. Well, I was shaking my ass in clubs (laughs) and things like that when The Sopranos was like really big. The Sopranos started in 1999 or 2007. Okay. So actually it started before I was able to go out. (laughs) <laughs> and then went until I was able to go out. And you were, so you were too young to watch it at first and then you were out. And I mean, like by too young to watch it, like I think my parents would have had a problem with me watching The Sopranos. Yeah, it was really violent. And then by the time it ended in 2007, so yeah, so like I was like in the midst of like going out and getting my first drinks and stuff, so. Yeah, you were in a bar, just like me in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, I was in my first bars. So I don't have a point of reference to watch this one, but because of who's in it, um, one of my, I w- I want to say like, yes, it's okay to say like a crush. Sure, um, sweetie, go ahead and say it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say that I kind of have a thing. Who? Um, for him. <gasps> um, oh my, Alessandro Nivola. Oh yes, he's handsome. Sure, he's. I've liked him ever since like Jurassic Park three, which. Is- <laughs> I remember seeing him so romantic. Uh, years ago. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's got, he's got the dimples, he's got the dark eyes, this whole thing. Like, I, I got a little crush going on there. So I'll probably watch it um, because of that. We'll see. I mean, it's a, it's a lot better to look at than James Gandolfini. May he rest in... Rest in peace. Talented peace. Talented peace. You know my connection with the show, right? I do know your connection to the show. I don't think you've ever talked about it here, but I think now is the time to probably tell everybody your... I don't want to be attacked by paparazzis every time I leave my apartment, but all right, I'll say Mm -hmm. it. Of course not. We can't have that. I played them. We can have it. I played the waitress in the last scene of the last episode of The Sopranos. So in 2007, and that was my first TV job. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, yeah, super exciting. Oh my God. Uh, and I had one line and they took it away. It's a hard knock <laughs> life being an actor, isn't it? <laughs> Can I get you anything else I was supposed to say? And yeah, uh, I was so kind of traumatized. I mean, I had fun. Actually, I had a great time that whole day. It was amazing. It was kind of magical. Um, James Gandolfini did not speak to me, which was weird. Um, Because Edie Falco like introduced herself to me and she was very nice and he wasn't mean. He just was like, just didn't see you. Like you weren't, and it's, it's like that when you work on a certain show. I was, but I was, I was like 12 inches away from him all day. Yeah, but he still didn't see you. He really didn't. That is unfortunately how some people are. I didn't take it personally. It's definitely not a good thing, but I can't say it came from a bad place, but I've worked on a lot of projects, a lot of stuff like that. And you meet people who are like, Edie Falco. So nice. And then you meet people who are, who like, you're basically just a chair to them. It was so weird because I like, I mean, my job was to bring, uh, as the waitress, I brought onion rings and Diet Cokes like over and over and over, like for 15 hours all day. It was like an actual waitress job. It was exhausting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
he never said, you know, like he was, he ate so many onion rings. I was worried about his health and it turns out I should have been. Um, (laughs) But it like a couple hours in, I was like, well, now it'd be weird if I introduced myself to him because he hasn't bothered to introduce himself to me. So I didn't. And we spent the whole day not. And you have to be careful about that because you're not really supposed to, like you're not really supposed to approach them if they don't approach you. But I, I mean, we were in a, we were sitting next to each other. Like we were in a scene together and every time we broke, I was supposed to sit. I wasn't like sitting in the booth with him, but I was, you know, it was like I was just very near him the whole time. And it's weird to be that close to someone. And not speak. And not say anything at all. Did he speak to anyone else? Not really. And I think, you know, there were everyone, there was a lot of people were actually friendly on the set overall, but there was a lot of nervous energy because they knew it was the last scene of the last episode. And it was super secret. Like I never knew what the hell was going to happen. Um, until I saw the show, you know. So I think it was due to that. And and it also could have been him being in his head mm-hmm. as his character, which apparently involved eating a lot of onion rings and uh, not mm-hmm. talking to me. I don't know if that was Tony Soprano necessarily, but... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It definitely was James Gandolfini. And I, I wrote a little theater piece about it that I performed a few times, and then we made a movie of it, of my whole experience, that whole day for me. Um, my husband shot it and they, they let us shoot it in the um, restaurant that we shot in in New Jersey, in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. That It was very cool. So that was a lot of fun too. So so is this show a prequel? I guess so, because I, I was really expecting him to reach out to me as the waitress. <laughs> to reprise your role. Well, as to, because I think I'm the person that killed him, but uh, apparently they're not going with that storyline. <laughs> so, uh, and the waitress, <laughs> the waitress is not in the prequel. So yes, it's a prequel. And it's cool that his son is playing him. Oh, gotta love that nepotism. <laughs> well, no, supposedly he's very good and he looks like well, him. Well, yeah. As opposed to trying to find an actor that looks like him, David Chase was just like him. He said that he saw him in a bit role in something else. He was like, he was playing like a busboy or something and he had a line and he thought he was really good in that one line. I was like, that doesn't happen to anybody. But it, I, I still say nepotism. Not that there's anything wrong with No, it. you're not wrong. You're not wrong. If you have talent, like you, nepotism, you can have nepotism happen to you and talent. So I think it could be that. But most people don't know, most like, Famous producers don't look at something. He, he wouldn't even have seen that. Probably, <laughs> so like, probably like, not. Oh, that guy was good as a bus boy. Let's get him in. Let, yeah. No, that normally does not happen. And who's but, that girl playing the waitress? She's great. She's fantastic. Let's get her in. That doesn't really happen, but good for them. I don't, I can't say that I'm going to watch either show, but if I do, I'll probably do. If I know me, because the way I am, I'll probably watch the new one and then it might make me watch the old. I highly recommend watching the old one because it's really freaking good, but it's a lot. That's however many, how many years was that on? Eight years? It's a lot. From 99 to 2007? Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of mafia movies either. I'm like a lot of black people that I know. Black people tend to love that shit. I'm not a huge fan of, I like Goodfellas. I love Goodfellas. Yeah. But other than that, there's not a lot of. I think you might like it because of the sort of because of the way it's done, it's so well written. The acting's incredible. It's beautifully shot. And, and it's really a lot about their personalities. I mean, certainly it's about the mafia. They do a lot of mafia stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's about the characters too. Yeah, I just, I, I probably, the genre itself doesn't really call to me, but mm-hmm. I do see why it probably would be something that I would like. So I will see, like, you know, if I have some some time 
to because you know like I said it didn't appeal to me when I was younger because one my parents wouldn't yeah have been cool with that and second you know I, I had no real reason to do it yeah but I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm at that age so oh do with that what you will uh oh <laughs> I love <laughs> like, Curb Your Enthusiasm no it was funny yeah like as a kid I watched it as a kid that must have so, been something as a kid wow I watched Seinfeld too as a uh-huh. kid so like that's some like those are like shows I remember watching like as like seven. Six, seven, eight. Watching. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. I love it. I, I thought. I think it's hilarious. Quentin, is this going to be good? Facebook. Now, I don't know if they're still going to do this since they're teetering <laughs> on the edge, whatever. But supposedly they've invented this product that's like glasses that is also a camera that you're going to wear on your face and walk around taking pictures of people with I your glasses. Do not think that's a good idea. <laughs> I think that... You are correct. It's not. I mean, I, it might be good for Black people and the police, uh, <laughs> but I don't think yeah, as far okay. as, as safety or like keeping yourself private, I don't think that's going to be good. We're already on on being recorded and being recorded by CCTV and and... ATM machines and traffic lights and like we're already being recorded constantly. So not to mention what people do on their phones. So I can't imagine somebody just being able to, that would mean that Facebook will have what? Access to everything those left to see. I guess. And I just see people like that's scary. Walking into light lamp poles and dropping into potholes. It's not like like Futurama where they have that, their cell phone is like implanted into their like brains. Yeah. Like into their eyes. So like it just like projects. Like that's what it reminds me of. I'm also a big Futurama fan. I ain't never seen that. It's it's good. It's sometimes better than The Simpsons was at that time. Oh, what a provocative statement. I know. I mean, I love The Simpsons, but they're good. They had a flop era for about close to 10 years. I'm, I gotta be real. Before they like shifted out. They ran too Before long. they shifted out yeah. writers. Now they have new writers, younger writers. Writers are my age, so now I think it's funny again. Oh. But they did this funny thing where they de-aged Homer and Marge and everybody. Really? Like Homer and Marge, you know, if you know about the whole show, they were teenagers in the 70s. Now they were teenagers in the 90s. What? I stopped watching it. Because now I'm like, Marge and Homer are like a little bit older than me now. Oh, that's crazy. Whereas they were like, my parents, they, they should be in their 60s now. So it's like, they had to like take it back. So it's like weird. That is watch. so strange. But it gives them more stuff to talk about. Which okay. Works. I'm probably never going to watch it again. It's all for at least another two seasons. Carol, is this going to be good? What? The world's whitest paint has been... Oh. <laughs> You thought I would like that because it's the world's whitest paint. No, no, no. I, well, I, because well, it's cool. Okay, maybe it'll help the world, the earth that's not as shiny anymore. Maybe we can somehow apply it to the earth's surface and it can help. <laughs> Basically, if you paint your house with it or like at least the roof of your house, whatever, it could reflect enough light and heat so that it could eliminate the need for air conditioning. Wow. <laughs> There's a good use of white, finally. Which would help the environment. Yeah. All right. So anybody out there who's white, go lay on somebody's roof. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. All right. It was created by a professor and his um, team, his students. I want to say at Purdue, but that doesn't sound... It's, some, it's a very, you know, well-known school. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so that could be revolutionary. Most paints, I believe, only reflect about 980... I think it was 89 and 94% of light and everything. And this paint does about 98, 99%. Wow. So apparently that difference really makes a difference. And we cannot no longer need 
air conditioning. Wow. Cool indoors. I'm fascinated. All right. That's great. I just hope it doesn't become sponsored by the Klan or something. (laughs) The whitest paint. Our paint's the whitest. It's the best white paint. There's no color better than white. That's our impression. Yeah, but they're not all Southern. We know that. Don't come at yeah, me. Yeah, we we do know that. We do know that. Yep. <laughs> Giuliani. Oh, <laughs> there you can how. So uh, I guess that brings us to the close of the show. Wrapping, Wrapping it, up. it up. We had a good time with you guys. If you'd like us to continue to have this good time, please reach into your pockets and donate to us through buymeacoffee.com. If you want to do that, you can go to www.buymeacoffee.com backslash gonna be good and i guess we'll see you next week yeah all right in a couple weeks a couple weeks we're going bi-weekly we we went bi-weekly we're going to bi-weekly recording we forgot to tell you (laughs) like paychecks we're bi-weekly we're bi now uh okay okay (laughs) all right you guys thanks so much and thanks to our guest uyota udi so fun and we will see you soon all right bye y'all bye